Let's continue with our lessons of understanding what we're saying when we're standing in front of the King of Kings in terms of what we're davening and what we're saying and what our kavana should be when we're when we're in the middle of tefillah in the in the Shmona Esrei or Amidah, you know, in in, in Shema and so forth. So now let's continue with our lessons and now we're going into the part where we ask for repentance and forgiveness where it says here we're actually saying to Hashem return us our father to your Torah and draw us near our king to your service cause us to return in complete repentance before you you are the source of all blessing my master who desires repentance and we also then say forgive us our father for we have sinned pardon us our king for we have willfully transgressed for you are the one who can pardon and forgive you are the source of all blessing my master who is gracious and ever willing to forgive so here the next two blessings in the Shemona Esrei are separate blessings but it, but a closer look will reveal a surprising concept they're very much related the blessing of Teshuvah reminds us of Rosh Hashanah because after all we climax the Teshuvah process with the 10 days of repentance it's the first step in the process and the end of the process is Yom Kippur and and that is a day devoted to Sliha and Kapara forgiveness and atonement it's only appropriate that the two blessings Teshuvah and Sliha representing Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are brought together as one and the interesting thing here is that most people think that the Teshuvah process ends with the 10 days of repentance so let's think about that at the end of Yom Kippur immediately after the close of the final prayer of Meilah symbolizing the closing of the heavenly gates and God's verdict for the year right at that moment we start to pray Mariv the evening prayer and one of the opening praises is and he who is merciful will atone for sins and he will not destroy so what does this mean so we just completed Neila. we just completed this holy 10-day period of repentance we didn't even have time to sin so why are we asking for atonement so self-improvement is ongoing it's a lifelong process even after Yom Kippur as much as we may have improved and we hope we have improved we still have a long way to go we have a way to go every day when we pray we focus on these two blessings to gain guidance and inspiration why are these two blessings Teshuvah and Slicha repentance and forgiveness placed after the blessing of knowledge Da'at it's the clue to understanding the relationship of these two blessings with the blessing of knowledge is found in the special insertion of right after Shabbat ends you have favored us with the knowledge of your Torah and you teach us to fulfill the statutes of your will the addition of these words in the blessing uh, and, 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 and the blessing of that highlights that the main objective of knowledge is spiritual to learn Torah and perform mitzvot wisdom while wisdom and knowledge are not ends not ends in, a, in, in themselves they do lead to a higher level a higher purpose and to reach that level we have to engage in the teshuvah and the slicha process if we think about the idea that teshuvah and slicha are part of our prayers and we have to ask ourselves about the Hebrew word for prayer tefillah to pray Lehispalel is a reflective form of self-evaluation and judgment. Pelilus. Our prayers in general are times of self-reflection. 
We put ourselves under our own spiritual magnifying glass, asking ourselves a question that we should be asking all the time. How could I have done more? How could I have done better today? How could I have improved in these areas, various areas of my life? And through the medium of tefillah, we're able to look inside ourselves and engage in personal self-judgment and not to put ourselves down, but to grow spiritually. So let's ask ourselves a, a couple of questions. What is teshuva? What does it really mean? So if you look in a dictionary, repentance is defined as sincere regret or remorse, which in Hebrew would be best described by the word harata. Um, let's, now let's dig deeper. Teshuva actually should be translated as return. So in fact, the Hebrew word of teshuva, which means to come back, returning implies that we were lost and we went off the right path, right? So imagine a parent and a child were walking down a road together holding hands. The child decides he's going off on his own and lets go of his father's hands. And while staying alongside his father, right? So they get further and further down the road and those few degrees that the child distanced from the father and the beginning of their walk have now greatly increased. And as they keep going, the gap between them starts to get bigger and it starts to expand. So the message to us is that while the distance between man and God may only be gradual at the beginning, Right, we may inevitably wander far from the Nasr Shalom, and returning to God becomes a far greater challenge. And so, the concept of Teshuvah is our beseeching God, our Father in heaven, to return us to you. And some have said that the word Teshuvah itself hints to this idea Teshuvah, Tashuv, and Hey, return to God. And we ask God to bring us close, bring us close, our Father, to your Torah. But in order to find our way back, we need a map. We need to be guided back by our father and mother, the ones who first set the guidelines for us. Listen, my son, to the rebuke of your father and don't forsake the Torah of your mother. And both parents play major roles as the father gives Musar sensitive rebuke and the mother preserves the Torah. And that's why the meaning, the firm yet warm concern of the parents that brings the child back to your Torah, the roadmap, as it were, back to our beliefs and observance. So where it says then, when we daven, bring us close, our king, to your service. We refer to God in the previous phase as our father, and here as our king. And these words express that even though he is our king, he's also our father. And, and this blessing, we ask God as our Father to bring us near to Him, as a merciful Father would do, and we also ask Him as King to use all His resources to bring us closer to serve Him. And the idea of remind us of the word, um, which means close, and the word korban, which is an offering to bring us closer to God. And these two praises, phrases, we are pleading for God to take an active role in bringing us back to Him. So just as we ask God as our Father to return us to His Torah and teach us, we turn to Him as our King to bring us close to Him and to His service. And so here where we say, who desires repentance? The blessing concludes, you are the source, the source of all blessing, my master, who desires repentance. God desires that we succeed in our coming close to him. 
and in observing his Torah. He wants us to do so in every possible way. He doesn't want to punish us. The words of Yehezkel, where it says, I never want to seek the death of an evil person. All I really want is for the wicked person to turn from his way and live. So the word of God, as transmitted by the prophet, undoubtedly shows us that God desires the return of the wicked, the one who has strayed from the path, beckoning him to improve his ways so that he shall live. And so how do we know that he wants us to succeed? And there's a very beautiful explanation of the opening words of the prayer that we say in the morning when we wake, when we're awake and we say, we say, I gratefully thank you, living God, enduring King, that you return my soul with mercy. Great is your faith. And so uh, a, a, a rabbi here says that, that raised the question of why it says great is your faith, God. Rather, it, sh it should say great is our faith. After all, we put our faith and trust in you to return our souls in the morning. And thankfully, you have done so again. This declaration should strengthen our faith in you for keeping us alive. And this explains that, that really when we say great is your faith, it means that even greater is God's faith in us than our faith in him. So when God returns our souls in the morning, he is expressing his faith in us that we're going to live through that day and do the things that will sanctify his name in this world. He has faith in us that we are worthy of a new lease on life today and not carry yesterday's baggage with us. Today is a new beginning. And as the beautiful words of our prayers read, every single day, God renews the act of creation out of its goodness. It's a new world. God cre recreated the whole world today, giving you a new opportunity to begin afresh and renew your faith in him because he has faith in you. And so when we say forgive us, our father, for we have sinned, the second blessing of this pair is forgiveness. We're asking God to forgive us because we have sinned unintentionally. And so if it's unintentional, why is it called a sin? So perhaps the individual did not intend to do wrong. I didn't know today was Shabbat. I didn't know that on the Shabbat this particular action was forbidden. I didn't know. So, of course, you can refer back to the old adage, ignorance of the law is no excuse, which is as true today as it ever was. But yet, the theological question remains, how can unintentional actions be classified as sins? And so now the Rambam suggests that because we're not careful enough and did not take the time to prevent this act from happening, the Torah holds us accountable for our lack of due diligence. And after all, if something is important to you, you take extra care to prevent any possible misdeed. And the Ramban declares that sin is an action that has a metaphysical impact on creation. It's not the mere fact of an individual who has made a mistake. If God considers it to be a sin, even if it was committed unintentionally, there has to be consequences. And the consequence in the holy temple times would be to bring a sin offering, right? So the Maharasha proposes a most practical approach. While some sins may be considered relatively minor, what makes them so severe is the attitude, the attitude of the sinner. The sinner may not treat his sin seriously precisely because they were unintentional. 
and therefore he may repeat them. So according to the Talmud, there's a long-standing principle. When a person transgresses and repeats his transgressions, it becomes as if it were permitted to him. And he becomes accustomed to this behavior and no longer senses that it's a sin. And these approaches are very well like similar but the bottom line is that you can't ignore a sin just because it's unintentional it must be acknowledged addressed and worked on throughout the whole teshuva process and we ask god and the second blessing of the personal request teshuva and slicha to forgive us and give us another chance please overlook our wrongdoing we did not mean it we weren't trying to say it was right or okay Clearly it was wrong. We should have learned to pay it greater attention to our actions, even the unintentional ones, so as to not commit these sins. And when we say, forgive us, our Father, for we have sinned, we're asking Bezat Hashem for another chance. So with Siata Dishmaya, we'll continue with our lessons. Bezat Hashem, may Hashem open our hearts and clearly see the way, the true way in order for us to be in the Vegas to our God and Bezat Hashem to show us the right way in order to be close to our Creator and through our knowing what we're saying and having Kavana and our Tefillah, which is our way of speaking to Hashem, it will be more magnified and will reach our hearts so we can have a more of a beautiful connection with our Creator. Baruch Adonai Leolam, Amen ve Amen.